This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me as always, ladies and gentlemen, certainly one of the fine leaders of America's strong drinking class. He is the captain. Oh, the drunken ass. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. This week, we are very happy to be featuring another great beer from one of our favorite breweries. Fresh out the fridge, we have Hopsecutioner IPA by the Terrapin Beer Company in beautiful Athens, Georgia. ABV, a loaded 7.3% garage grade, three and a half bottle caps out of five. And we get to break down this week's case with a couple of cold ones. Thanks to our good friends right here, Captain. I would like to give a cheers to Robin in Alexandria, Virginia. And a big we like your jib to Rebecca in Tacoma, Washington. Next up, we have Don Dees from Brick, New Jersey. Got him. And a big shout out to Victoria in Middlefield, Connecticut. Next stop, we have Odetta. What a beautiful name from Covington, Kentucky. And last but certainly not least, we have my boy, Donnie, the mailman. Hey, it's Donnie. I got your mail. Yo. Hey, Donnie. Yo, I got a package for What's you. What's doing? How's the news, Donnie? How yous doing? Hey, everyone we just mentioned went to truecrimegarage.com, and they donated to this week's beer fund, and for that, we are thankful. Yeah, it's simple. Just go to truecrimegarage.com. You'll see the donate button on the right-hand side. Just click that. Click that. Give a little love. I'll give you a shout out. We're a little bit behind, so be patient. And that is enough of the business. All right, everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime.
Parts of the following are taken from Paul Mescal's Daily News article. Shortly before 5 p.m., October 16th, a dusty white Chevrolet Impala with a blue top and Alabama license plates turned into the driveway of a Cape Cod home on Flood Street in Marlboro, Connecticut. The driver, a tall, gaunt man with collar-length red hair and busy sideburns, sat in the car for several seconds, watching the rearview mirror and trying to determine if he was being observed. Then, he took a sawed-off shotgun from the car floor and stuck it in his waistband under his slacks and sports shirt. He climbed slowly out of the car, his left hand pressing the shotgun barrel against his left thigh. Discarding a half-smoked cool in the drive, he walked to the house, where Karen Wine, aged 35, lived with her two teenage daughters. The unexpected visitor chose the Wine home at random while driving through New England. Marlboro is a peaceful town in the heart of Connecticut, 12 miles southeast of Hartford, At the time of our story, the population is 3,600 residents with no police force. A resident state trooper is the only lawman in Marlboro. Dawn Wine, a pretty 15-year-old schoolgirl, was doing her homework when the doorbell rang. She opened the door, and the unexpected visitor grinned at her, exposing teeth stained yellow by cigarettes. He inquired, If her mother was home, she said no. He asked if her father was in, and she said he didn't live there anymore. Suddenly, the unexpected visitor lunged forward, pushing the girl back into the house. He followed her inside and closed the door. He jerked the shotgun from his pants leg and took her upstairs to her bedroom, where he stripped and sexually abused her all the time smiling and promising not to hurt her. Dawn's mother, a practical nurse, came home from her hospital job about six o'clock. She saw the car in the driveway and she entered the house. Later, both Karen and Dawn were found bound, raped, and strangled. Their killer was long gone and nowhere in sight. This is the case of the Casanova Killer. Early 1974, sitting in a Florida State prison is 27, soon-to-be 28-year-old Paul John Knowles. He has been wasting away for several years now after he was incarcerated for kidnapping a police officer. A serious offense. Isn't that right there, Captain? Yeah, I don't think they should let kids be police officers. Well, when one thinks of someone to abduct an officer of the law doesn't really come to mind. It's not your typical victim. But one thing I want to point out before we move on, and so we all have an understanding of who Paul John Knowles is, he is a career criminal. He has been committing crimes most of his life by this point. He's only 27, almost 28 years old. 
And during the commission of some smaller crimes, he finds himself committing larger crimes to not get caught. So yeah, according to a tiny little article that I found in the Orlando Sentinel titled Kidnapper Sentenced, Paul John Knowles was just 18 years old at the time. He was sentenced in Jacksonville, Florida to five years in prison for kidnapping a policeman at gunpoint. Knowles pled guilty to this charge. But here we are, Captain. He was sentenced to five years, but now it's been over nine years and he's still sitting in prison. How does that work out? Well, they used to have a furlough program in, in Florida. Mm-hmm. And the way that that worked was after you served a good amount of time, you would get privileges such as the ability to leave the prison, to go out on an overnight stay or maybe even a weekend stay somewhere This normally when you're at the end of your prison sentence, (laughs) they're trying to reintegrate you into society where they're going to be forced to release you into at some point. Yeah, that's one of the dumbest things I've heard. Well, the way that he ends up getting in trouble is he goes out, but doesn't come back in. Imagine that. And I'm sure this was probably a pretty common problem that they faced and that's why you don't see these types of programs as much anymore Mm -hmm. most of the time now we have jails that have like work release and things like that well while in prison Knowles was reading an astrology magazine and came across a pen pal column he finds the address for a young woman in California this is 28 year old Angela Kovic in some publications she is listed as Angela Samuels or Angela Samuels Kovic So for sake of argument, I'll just go forward with Angela Kovic. I think, Captain, she was coming out of a divorce around the same time. So whatever name the publication used at the time was probably whatever name she told them. Now, Angela is an attractive cocktail waitress out in San Francisco. Her parents own the nightclub that she works at. So she's got access to a little payola. Knowles is a Taurus. And Angela is a Leo. And because they're both fans of astrology and read this astrology magazine, that seems to be important to them. Knowles tells Angela that she is his number one Yiddish angel. And Angela calls Knowles PJ. After quite some time corresponding, Angela makes arrangements for Knowles to get an attorney. She wants to help him out. You know, we got to get this guy out of prison at some point to forward our relationship. The attorney is there to help him with his parole. On May 14th, Paul John Knowles is paroled by the board down in Florida, but there are, as always, conditions, of course. He is not to be in Florida. I always love when they throw this condition out there. We, our state, will parole you, but we don't really want you to stay here. But you need to leave. I think a lot of that is not so much get out of our state. It's more so this person hired you an attorney. This person, we've worked with them to make arrangements to keep you busy once you're out. You know, you have a place to stay, maybe a place of employment. Go be there and do the right things. One of the stipulations was for him to not kidnap any more police officers. Well, he's immediately going to go to California and find employment. Angela was the one that secured PJ a job with a billboard company. His job would be painting signs. Now, Knowles found himself finally a free man. 
and in the big state of California, where he planned to marry the woman who was responsible for his newfound freedom. And so P.J. Knowles gave Angela a ring. Angela was seeking some guidance, let's say. Things were moving way too fast for this young woman. This man, you know, he's a petty thief. He's an abductor. The parole E. Is he the man that she is meant to be with, to spend her life with? So Angela took her questions to a spiritualist, someone she often found value in the opinion of. The spiritualist studied the ring, and this was the ring that Paul, John Knowles, gave to her. And with a little bit of a warning, you know, she's offering up a warning. She says to Angela that there is a very dangerous man that has just entered your life. Mm. Without naming names, Angela's pretty certain that she is talking about Paul John Knowles. Yeah. Now, Captain, depending on which newspaper story you read, well, that changes if Angela heeded the warning of her spiritualist or not. Some say this was one of the few occasions where Angela disregarded the advice of her spiritualist. Others say it was the driving force for what was to be. Well, it's we have a background of PJ, so we, we know what he's capable of, so that makes the spiritualist sound more credible. But I think anybody, uh, whether you believe in that stuff or not, if somebody just entered your life, whether you knew their history or not, and somebody said to you, there's a very dangerous person that just entered your life, I mean, my ears would perk up. Right, right. Well, regardless of which version is actually correct, Paul John Knowles was not the man for Angela Kovic, or at least she will say this for now. She said she enjoyed Knowles' company. He was spiritual believed in God and the afterlife. He was smart and had an interesting sense of humor, but he was just not for her. The two spent four days together, and regardless of Noel's stipulation of his parole that he find and maintain employment, he never showed up, not once, for the job at the sign company that Angela had secured for him. So Angela sent him packing after these four days. He's you know, he gone. And Captain, since we both know how much Knowles enjoys following the rules, well, where do you think he ended up? Well, there's a part of me that's feeling a little bit bad for him right now because he, he basically shows up and once he gets there, she's like, Ugh, you ugly. Well, I don't know if it's so much that. I mean, she's being warned by the spiritualist and she secured a job for him. He's there for four days. He doesn't go to the job once. Mm-hmm. This might be this might be the tip that you needed that says, hey, maybe this guy's not going to change his ways or maybe he's not who he says he is. Right. You don't know this guy. You've been trading letters with him and now he's there staying with you and he's not doing his, he's not keeping up his end immediately. Right. I'm just saying that this is the version of now with social media, people meet online, they're chatting back and forth. Some, you know, it gets serious once somebody buys a plane ticket. Once that plane ticket's bought and they arrive in your city, they might not be they might not look much like the the pictures or or 
or how they portray themselves online. Yeah, and the thing that sucks for Angela here is she hired him an attorney. She bought him the plane ticket. Mm -hmm. So she's out some money. So as said, Knowles doesn't care for the rules, so of course he ends up right back in the Sunshine State, good old Florida. Now by all accounts, which really is just Angela's and Knowles, but he was devastated by the rejection. So he returned to Jacksonville, Florida. He was soon arrested after stabbing a bartender during a fight. He was charged with assault, and now he's back behind bars, this time in a dingy Jacksonville jail. But ever the career criminal, Knowles managed to pick the lock on his detention cell and escaped. This was in late July 1974. On the night of his escape, Knowles finds himself in a situation of his own creation where he is on the run and in serious trouble as he has no, you know, he so clearly violated his parole and likely would be facing some very severe and harsh punishments, a lengthy prison sentence, that is for sure. But not only is he on the run, if he's going to remain a free man, he is in need of tools and provisions to keep him out. The solution to this problem, he broke into the home of 65-year-old Alice Curtis. The tall, young, and strong fugitive easily overcame the defenseless 65-year-old woman. He tied her up and gagged her. He ransacked her home, taking money and valuables, and then he stole her car. This was a white Dodge Dart. Alice was a retired schoolteacher and just looking to live out her days, relaxing in her home and surviving on the nice little life she worked so hard to build for herself. Instead, she choked to death on her gag. Knowles ultimately took so much more that night than just a few dollars from her purse and her white Dodge Dart. That night, he took everything. For the month of August, Knowles remained on the run. And he did what one would expect to, to stay ahead of the law. He stole, he moved around, but one thing that he did not have to do was kill. But he did it anyway. This was his choice. He did it because he could, not because he had to. Many that crossed his path during this time lived, but some did not. So P.J. Knowles at this point has been on the run for a good month. Yeah, on September 3rd, we find our unexpected visitor up north in Yankee land and our great state captain, the old OH. I O. This is at a roadside bar and restaurant off of Route 75, four miles north of Lima, Ohio. This is at the Scots Inn where Knowles is likely drinking himself into a nice one-night coma. There he is doing his thing, which is drinking and chatting people up. He becomes fast friends with a 32-year-old William Bates. Bates is a regular at the Scots Inn. Now, Bates and Knowles could not be more opposites. Bates is a hardworking family man. He's got a great job. He's an account executive for the Ohio Power Company. Knowles, as we know, is a law-breaking man on the run, and his only care seems to be not getting locked up, and how is he going to get his next meal or tank of gas? Well, I can tell you this, Captain. Old P.J. Knowles, the unexpected visitor, ever the opportunist, 
He just spotted his meal ticket, and that was William Bates. Mm -hmm. The bartender would later say that both Bates and an unknown male who the bartender described as a young, red-headed man had several drinks together that evening and left about the same time. Bates's wife would later report him missing, and police very quickly realized that not only was Bates gone, but his vehicle, a white Chevy Impala, was missing as well. Well, it kind of sounds like a guy that goes to a bar often and was sitting at that bar chatting up with people and thought, hey, maybe this isn't the life that I want to live. I'm out of here. I'm out of Dodge. That's where my mind goes to, and I think that's where a lot of people's minds would go. It's weird the contrast between a missing man and a missing woman. With a missing woman, you you fear the worst. With a man in his early 30s who has a good job and a family, and his car is gone on top of that, that's where you kind of go, well, maybe he just maybe he just hit the road. Well, and, and we know that he's probably a target for PJ because this is part of his MO. If I might not take you with me, but I need a ride. I need gas. I need supplies. Yeah. Well, he exactly. He needs a way of staying out on the run. He needs provisions to keep this journey of his going along. Mind you, he didn't just crawl into Lima, Ohio. He drove that poor dead woman's stolen vehicle all the way up to Ohio. And he's been driving around for some time now. And this is a very, very dangerous man. The The thing I think of immediately, Captain, is that old Doors song where the, the line is, there's a killer on the road. Yeah. That line makes me think of several others, but, but very much so Paul John Knowles. Well, there's something about, if you Google Paul John Knowles, uh, something rock and roll to him. He, he almost looks like he could be the singer of the doors. I don't know that they cut your hair for you when you're in uh, Florida state prison. This takes us to September. We are now at September 19th, 1974. On that day, the Reno evening Gazette reported the following with a headline about halfway down page one that read couple found slain near Eli. The article reads about a vacationing couple who were found shot to death late that morning in a camper south of Eli, Nevada. An autopsy was ordered, but it appeared both were shot in the temple with a small caliber gun. No gun was found at the scene. The victims were identified as Emmett Johnson and his wife Lois, both in their 60s. The bodies were discovered at the Lake Valley Summit rest stop. The bodies were in the pickup camper. Lois was nude and found under a removable table, and Emmett was dressed. The sheriff's office reported no leads, but deputies said Johnson's wallet and her purse were both missing. These days, we have many ways to stay in touch with family, even when we can't visit them in person. 
Keeping up with my family's always been important to me, even during this time of social distancing. I've been doing video calls with my father, video calls with my mom. These things are important to the way we feel and the way that we carry on. Thanks to StoryWorth, you can connect with loved ones everywhere and learn family history you never knew about. StoryWorth is more than just a book, more than a collection of stories. It's the gift of time you spend with family uncovering those stories. You can customize books for yourself and your loved ones. This is also a fantastic gift to give to somebody that you care about. Every week, StoryWorth emails your family member different story prompts, questions you've never thought to ask, like what have been some of your life's greatest surprises and what's one of your riskiest things you've ever done? Reading the weekly stories is fun and makes your family feel close even though you're not all together. After one year, StoryWorth will compile every answered question and photo you choose to include into a beautiful keepsake book that is shipped for free. I tell you what, life is short and relationships are so very important. This is a wonderful gift that you can give to yourself or to a loved one. I absolutely love StoryWorth. Connect with family and discover untold stories with StoryWorth. Get started right away without the need for shipping by going to storyworth.com slash TCG. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash TCG for $10 off. If there's something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp Online Counseling can help. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who specialize in issues such as depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, self-esteem, and more. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment and get help at your own time and at your own pace. Anything that you share is confidential, and it's so convenient. You can schedule a secure video or phone session as well as chat and text with your therapist. And for some reason, if you're not happy with your counselor, though you can request a new one at any time for no additional charge. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Our listeners even get 10% off your first month with discount code GARAGE. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com garage, then simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with the counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com garage. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. 
And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash T-C-G. That's mintmobile.com slash T-C-G. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash T-C-G. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 
20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers, mates. Cheers, Captain. Now, I was Googling PJ Knowles. we don't need to know everything that you do. And uh, (laughs) he kind of reminds me of Eric Stoltz. Yeah, you said that to me, and that makes total, total complete sense. Back when Stoltz was a young, strapping young lad. Yeah. Well, our unexpected visitor, Captain... He went on to visit both the state of Texas and the state of Alabama. In Texas, he took advantage of a stranded motorist whom he abducted, raped, and murdered. In Alabama, he killed a beautician. Then in October, we have the double homicide that we covered in the trailer to this episode. That was the double homicide of mother and daughter Karen and Dawn Wine all the way up in Connecticut. So when you picture a roadmap of this big, beautiful country, think about what we've covered so far. A man who went from Florida, we know he went up to Ohio, then out to Nevada, then Texas, Alabama, and Connecticut. This guy is all over the shop. And to get there, we we believe he's traveling by car, so all those connecting states as well. Correct. And we'll go into the details of how we know where he is and, and, and whereabouts in the timeline as well. That is really key to that. But something else that is of major importance to our case, this takes place on October 4th. This is one of those things that at the time of this event, it's a bit of a head scratcher, but it all makes so much sense later when we are able to see the big picture. So on October 4th, back up in Ohio in a motel parking lot, police discover an abandoned vehicle. This is a Dodge Dart. Now remember, this is the vehicle, the one that is missing from Jacksonville, Florida, belonging to the unsolved murder victim, Alice Curtis. So now the sheriff's department up in Lima, Ohio, have a missing man and his vehicle is missing as well. Note, that's from a month back. And now we have an abandoned vehicle from out of state that belongs to a murder victim. Now, if you're the sheriff's department, if you are this man's wife and his family and coworkers, you're starting to go, does this abandoned vehicle that belongs to an unsolved murder victim down in Florida, does that have anything to do with this missing man and his missing vehicle? It seems like quite the coincidence. Throughout October, Knowles continued to travel, driving the highways and likely killing along the way. He does have a close encounter with police when he is pulled over for a minor traffic infraction, and of course the officer just didn't know who he was dealing with, so he let Knowles go with a warning. Knowles decides to reach out to his attorney and sets up a meeting. This meeting will be a strange one, Captain. They meet for a couple of drinks. Halfway through the first drink, Knowles tells his attorney, and I believe that this is according to the attorney, don't run away, but I'm a mass murderer. Hmm. You're having drinks with your client, with somebody you think that you know. Now, his attorney's no idiot. He knows that 
that Knowles is not a great guy, that he's broke the law. I mean, he's represented him so he could become a parolee. Mm-hmm. But the shocking statement of don't run away, but I'm a mass murderer. You got to wonder if you're the other guy, Do you, is your first reaction, is this guy joking or do you know him well enough immediately that you're going, holy snap, this is serious. Well, on top of that, he's telling you all this stuff and what if he changes his mind at the end of the conversation, do you become a victim? Well, and I love these old cases because I love to go back and take a look at how things have evolved throughout the decades. And we're, we are talking decades ago. And Paul says to his attorney, I'm a mass murderer. Well, I mean, you see the, uh, how investigation and just terminology alone has changed throughout the years. This is before people were using the term serial killer, right? This is before they really even coined that phrase. So we have him describing himself as a mass murderer, which today we would describe a mass murderer as somebody who walks into a single situation and takes out as many people as they possibly can. Paul Knowles is a serial killer in every sense of the word that we know now, but he doesn't know any better back then. And he says, Hey, I'm a mass murderer. Well, I would kind of actually argue with that terminology because we, we know that he's on the run from law enforcement and his, his murders. We don't know if there was murders before his incarceration. So he almost sounds like a spree murderer to me. Yeah. More of a spree killer. Let's get back into it. Knowles tells his attorney, Hey, by the way, I'm a mass murderer. But well, and this also kind of reminds me of the movie American psycho at the end where he calls, I believe the name is Patrick Bateman and he calls his lawyer and starts confessing to all these crimes. You were mentioning Google a minute ago and now you bring up American psycho. Google sometime on, on your own time, not on garage time right now. Google sometime uh, Huey Lewis and I believe it's Weird Al Yankovic. They do a scene. They recreate a scene from American Psycho. Yeah. It's like a parody. Yeah. It's it's brilliant. Okay. Anyway, I apologize for we went down a road there. Knowles tells his attorney, by the way, I'm a mass murderer. He wants to tell his attorney in detail who he has killed, where, and why. Knowles is of the belief that he that either one of two things is going to happen. Either the law will catch up with him and he will be locked up and executed for his crimes, or he's going to get killed in the process of being apprehended. Either way, he wanted a record of everything or at least the stuff he was willing to admit to so that his family could profit from his murder spree via a book and movie deal after his death or once he's behind bars. Mm. Thoughtful guy, huh? Mm. His attorney is a pretty smart dude. He says, don't tell me anything. Stop, close your mouth, finish your drink. Don't tell me anything. I don't want to know anything because if you do tell me all about this, then according to what you just told me, only two people will know your secret, me and you. And one day you may wake up and decide You only want to have one person know this secret and you'll come and find me and you will kill me. Right. So therefore I'm Paul. This is between y'all. He Mm. didn't want to know anything. 
He tells Knowles, you should write it all down or record your story on cassettes. And then if you like, you can, you know, seal it up and give it to me and I'll save it for later. If you do get picked up and put away in prison or executed or, or killed in the process of suicide by cop. Yeah. Well, we also have the situation too, where Knowles told the attorney that it was his idea. He wanted to go out in the blaze of glory. He wanted to, you know, a gunfight shots fired. He wanted to go out in the blaze of glory. A lot of this to me, captain seems like there was a bit of an obsession on Knowles's part in regards to like Bonnie and Clyde, you know, people who traveled on the run in this country, hitting the highways and killing along the way, doing whatever it took to stay free. They weren't going to be locked up. You were going to have to, you were gonna have to kill them. You'd never take them alive kind of situation. All of what the attorney suggests, write it down or record your story on Cassette. That is exactly what happens here, Captain. They had this meeting on October 24th. Two days later, on October 26th, Knowles delivers a sealed envelope with a cassette, multiple cassettes inside, to his attorney, and they, on this visit, discuss nothing. We should note that the attorney did advise Knowles to turn himself in, but unfortunately, we know that did not happen. Then there was a double homicide on November 6th in Milledgeville, Georgia. Detectives did the best that they could to try to piece everything together. 11 Alive is a website. They did some cool videos on the Knowles case, and I really recommend watching these. They did an interview with retired investigator James Josie, who worked the double homicide investigation. According to reports, when police got there, it is said that the place looked like the whole house had been attacked by some kind of, and this is a quote, a giant beast from a horror movie. Furniture had been overthrown and smashed. Mirrors were shattered. Items were thrown all over the house. Curtains and upholstery slashed and cut up. Mrs. Carr was a nurse working a double shift. When she came home, she found her husband and daughter dead. As said, the detective piecing this thing together, the Wikipedia page says Knowles befriended Carswell Carr. He's the husband and father, the victim, and invited Knowles back to Carr's house to spend the night. And then over drinks, he stabbed Carr to death and then strangled Carr's 15-year-old daughter. Detective Josie, who worked the case, says, look, when you ask us what happened, either Knowles followed Carswell car home and snuck in, or he was invited back to the house by the victim. Josie points out that unfortunately, during their investigation, because Knowles killed everybody in the house, there was no one left to ask right. the question of how did this guy end up back at the house? But this was a, a vicious, vicious attack. Josie thinks somehow Knowles got into the house. Again, it could be snuck in or invited in. But at some point, Knowles gets a hold of a pair of scissors and stabs Carswell to death. And like I said, this was a vicious attack. He stabbed the victim almost a countless number of times. 
and with such force that the tips of the scissors broke off in the victim. Josie thinks Carswell would have obviously been screaming and yelling during the attack, and he believes that that would be what woke up the teenage daughter. He says that, in his opinion, in his expert detective opinion, he does not think that Knowles likely knew that the daughter was there or that anybody else was in the house. Mm -hmm. So the screaming, the attack, wakes up the daughter. She comes down to figure out what's going on. Knowles sees the daughter and then chases after her. She runs back to her bedroom, shuts the door, locks it, and tries to barricade herself in there. Knowles, again, the detective's words, the reporter's words, the home looked like it was attacked by some kind of giant beast from a horror film. Knowles manages to bust through the door. He strangles the daughter, and it's believed after murdering her that he attempted to engage in some kind of necrophilia with the victim. Well, this reminds me of like the rage with Bundy. And, right. And that's almost like um, morphing from a actual possibly charming individual to a vicious animal. And that's why that picture of Bundy from, from court is such a popular and well-recognized picture. The one yeah. where he's getting ready to just slam his hand on the, on the table mm-hmm. because everybody in the courtroom was saying, Hey, here you have this very neat well-kept, groomed, well-groomed guy who seems to be smart and representing himself at trial, seems to have it all put together, and then, boom, in that second, for that instance right there, everyone in the court recognized and noticed and saw what was really behind the eyes, behind the skin. Once you peel that layer back, underneath there was a monster, and once he's out, he... He, he is uncontrollable. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. So eventually Knowles is going to flee this scene, right? But not before stealing jewelry and whatever other valuables he can find. Now, not too long after these murders, a store clerk reported to police that a tall, red-haired man matching Knowles' description was making purchases with Carswell Carr's credit card. So police pretty early on have a good idea who they're looking for. This guy is on the run, and we believe that we can track him and trail him through the vehicles that he is stealing and then leaving along the way. And he's also using victims' credit cards and some of their stolen property and stolen money to buy him things like gas and and food and cigarettes and so forth while he's out running all over the map. Mm -hmm. Also that month, Knowles picked up some hitchhikers. This was Edward Hilliard and Debbie Griffin. Edward was eventually found dead in some woods, and Debbie is believed to have been killed by Knowles as well. Unfortunately, to this day, over 40 years later, her body has never been recovered. Another interesting little stop along the way in our story and timeline here, Captain, is Knowles, as said, he doesn't kill everyone he comes across. In fact, some people, he befriends them and becomes friends with them. And one person, the story goes like this. 
While bar hopping in Atlanta, Georgia, on November 8th, Paul John Knowles met British journalist Sandy Fox, impressing her with his looks, which she says, and I think this is quite the stretch, mm-hmm. but whatever, maybe I'm just jealous, but she says his real looks, jelly. yeah, I'm real jealous. She says that his looks were a cross between Robert Redford and Ryan O'Neal. I can see that. That's top shelf right there. Mm. Top shelf for a redhead, yeah. So they spent the night together. She was sitting at the bar by herself. Now, mind you, she's in a different, she's in a foreign country. She's over here working. Uh, She was on assignment. And I believe originally she was on assignment in New York, maybe for the Times. Mm-hmm. And whatever that didn't work out, or they sent her down to Georgia on a different assignment. Somehow she ends up in Georgia by herself at this bar. The way she describes it is she was kind of checking out Knowles from afar. He's sitting there drinking and she thinks that he must have caught her checking him out. And at some point he makes his way over, starts talking her up. Now, one thing I will say that does seem to be quite charming about this Knowles character is that at least two women, Fox included, said that Knowles would be quick to ask a woman to dance, mm-hmm. which is which is kind of a lost thing. People don't, men don't do that so much anymore. I don't even know that they did that a whole lot back in the seventies. But no. the the bar that she described to in her book is not described as like a dance club or anything like that. It really sounds to me like it's the hotel lobby bar, a lot of businessmen and people sitting around after work drinking. And she catches his eye. He comes over, chats with her for a while. And eventually that leads to him asking her to dance. She said that they spent the night together. Now, as said, I said her book, she went on to write two books about her experience with Paul John Knowles. And one of them's called Killing Time. I've read Killing Time. It's a great true crime book. I love the old ones. This one was from 1977. In the book, what's what's funny to me though, I've I've never read one of those um romance novels that have the risque covers, you know, with a lot of flesh on the on the cover, but I can only imagine how they read a portion of her book Killing Time reads a, like a very graphic lovemaking scenes. Mm, a little sex. Well, she says sex up in here. She says mm. he was unable to perform. Mm, so not much sex. <laughs> a lot of build up and no no real ability to seal the deal, let's say. Yeah, bad boys, Captain Limpy Pants. So that's always brought up some questions about Knowles. One, she says, look, Push the psychology aside. The nights that she hung out with Knowles, he was drinking a lot. Mm -hmm. And she said that in her experience throughout life, she had seen many a good time go down the the throats of men who are just drinking and drinking and drinking. I don't know if that's the right terminology. Well, I thought her book's well-written and I liked, I liked the way she phrased some things. So if you push psychology aside, that's an excellent explanation. But then you take the psychology back into it, Mm -hmm. 
And you have to wonder, and we've seen this with other serial killers. We've seen this with rapists, serial rapists, where sometimes these men are not able to perform with a willing participant. Right. And we do know that there was suspicion about possible necrophilia with the victim that we spoke about earlier. Mm -hmm. Well, again, if, if sex is the motivation for these crimes or these murders, then we know that this individual is probably desensitized uh, to say the least. It seems weird to me because I feel like we're in a, in one of those odd situations. Look with serial killers and sex and fantasy and violence are kind of all really wrapped up into one Mm -hmm. for a lot of these guys. I don't think that that's too far off here from Paul John Knowles, but I, I feel like that's not the single motivating factor for these murders. I almost feel like what you pointed out earlier, the spree killer, the guy on the run. I think that is more of the appeal for this guy. That seems to be what he's into. He likes the the thrill of the kill. He likes the thrill of meeting a victim, and he likes taking whatever he decides to take from them. Whatever struggles you are facing from depression and anxiety to trauma and grief, BetterHelp can connect you with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, as well as chat and text with your therapist. And anything that you share is completely confidential. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Our listeners even get 10% off your first month with discount code GARAGE. So why not get started? Simply go to betterhelp.com slash garage and fill out a questionnaire to get matched with a counselor you'll love today. That's betterhelp.com slash garage. If you want access to the garage archives, that means all of our old shows, check us out on the free to download Stitcher app. And if you want to hear a little more, you want to hear the good stuff, get our other show off the record. It's available on Stitcher Premium. Join us back here in the garage tomorrow. Until then, be good, be kind, and don't let us. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.